energy. We walked around for 35 minutes just in the parking lot looking for this car. The passion. UVM schedules the way they do to get as high a seed as possible in the NCAA tournament and to get as much tournament prep as they can because they're not going to get it from their league. The opinions on all your favorite teams. The organization should be taking care of Matt rather than Matt taking care of the organization. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show right here on a Wednesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Short show today. We're up until 610, and at that point, we turn it over to Game 3 of the series between the Red Sox and the Orioles. Red Sox won last night in an ugly, high-scoring affair. Speaking of the Red Sox, I did speak earlier today with Tom Karen, our Sox inside over at Nesson. That interview is available on our podcast channel already. I also talked with Mario Pilato of Pro Football Focus. He's an injury expert and a former team strength and conditioning coach. We were going to have that interview live, but we had a couple scheduling things happen. So uh, Mario Pilato online also on our podcast channel. And Freddie Coleman of ESPN will Join us here in about 15 minutes. It's been a minute since we had Freddie on live, so we've got Freddie on live here in about 15. Again, you can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. That's 802-585-3026. Your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. You can also check out the brand new Facebook stream. I guess it's not brand new anymore. We've been doing it for about eight months now, six months maybe. So you check out Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and my Twitter account as well. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show were brought to you by Six and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sixandstuff.com. Bill Belichick just infuriated me earlier today there are times when bill belichick's act with the media his surliness i there, there's times where i get it and there's times where it just gets under my skin and today was one of those days bill belichick stood at the podium for 10 minutes and he was asked all kinds of questions about mac jones and about brian hoyer and all he would say is about mac he's getting better will take it day by day. He used the phrase day by day like 15 times. He didn't officially rule Mac out for this weekend. He didn't talk about Mac's pain level. He didn't talk about Mac's mobility. He didn't do any of that. All he did was sit there and insult our intelligence. He even said, I'm not a doctor. We'll take it day by day. Do Do you want me to look at the MRI? We'll take it day by day. Here's Belichick with about 40 seconds of his greatest hits from today. Can you take back to the start on for you guys? Hey, David. Brian's got a lot of experience. He's done everything that we would want to do. Not be able to do it, you know, with, I think, minimal practice. That, that was what it was. So, stay day by day. We, we're not really doing anything differently. But the way film, day by day. That's the plan. Day by day. Day by day is getting better. See how it goes. Day by day. 
Does he have a high ankle sprain? Day by day. Okay, I understand that Bill Belichick is the best coach in NFL history, but man, that just grinds my gears. Because again, that is an affront to our intelligence. We all know that Mac Jones is hurt, right? We all know that Mac Jones is hurt. Everybody saw it. Everybody saw his reaction. This isn't like he pulled a hamstring and we couldn't quite tell how much there was tug. We saw him not be able to walk off the field. We saw him hop off the field. We saw him get carried down to the locker room. We heard this what we heard of the screams from Mac Jones from, you know, the bowels of Gillette Stadium. We all saw it. We all heard it. Every credible NFL reporter has said he has a high ankle sprain. Every sports doctor out there has said this is a multi-week injury. I've seen as little as three weeks. I've seen as much as 12. But every credible sports doctor out there says multi-weeks. We all know this. And yet Bill Belichick continues to play this game. Dangling cliches day by day, day by day. He continues to act like there's a chance that Mac could play. He shouldn't be acting that way. We know that Mac Jones is not playing. And heck, if they did try to trot him out there, it would be among the stupidest decisions in franchise history. It's game four of the season, not the AFC title game. So Mac's not playing. And continuing to give this thin veil of possibility, it's not doing anything but making Bill Belichick look bad. We know Mac's not playing. He knows Mac's not playing. And the Packers know that Mac is not playing. This, God, this frustrates me to no end. I understand that Bill Belichick doesn't want to give away the farm, and I respect that. I understand that decisions about whether Mac is or is not going to get surgery might not have been made yet or confidential. I get all that. If Bill Belichick had just said Mac is getting treatment, he's working hard, we'll have an injury report later, that would have sufficed. But no, he had to say, I'm not a doctor. Do you expect me to read MRIs? All this buffoonery from the press conference today. Just say, Mac's working hard. We'll make a determination here about, about you know, this week and other weeks soon. All of that would have been better. You know what? Maybe Bill Belichick essentially did that. But the condescending nature of it all just gets under my damn skin. Okay? If he wanted to say, yeah, Mac can't go this week, but we're not sure how long he'll be out, that would have been fine, too. Instead, we got this Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick shtick, and that ticks me off. Like, you know, I had a radio co-host once. My first co-host in this business talked to me about, he on air, he would do the hot to crazy scale. You all know this, right? There's a hot guy, there's a hot girl. The hotter they are, the more crazy they can get away with, right? You all know this. This is life. Okay, people that are better looking get away with more. That's just the way it is. So that news flash, that's life for you. Like when Bill Belichick was 12 and four and winning Super Bowls, he's a 10 on the hot scale. And so he can get away with this garbage. But when you're one and two this year and when you're 18 and 19 and you're 37 games without Tom Brady and Foxborough over the last three years, it's no longer cute. 
the hot to crazy scale you could get away with five years ago, you can't get away with now. It's not cute. It's not funny. Just, my God, like, just say something. Don't treat the media like imbeciles. Don't treat the fans like imbeciles. We all saw it. Right? I understand. Hey, guy gets hit by a pitch, and he gets hit on the shoulder, and he's got to rub it out a bit, but we can't quite see what's going on. And the next day, Alex Cora wants to be a little vague. Hey, we're not quite sure what he's doing, not sure if he's going to be in the lineup. I can get that. Hockey player takes a puck to the arm. Hey, you know what? He's working it out. He's going to go pregame with the staff. Game time decision. I get that, too. We all saw this. Mac Jones was in pain. He's not playing. And Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, he came on after Belichick. He knows he's not playing. But, yeah, I would not expect Mac Jones to play. He's dealing with some, you know, I would say significant damage. It's a high ankle sprain. Uh, it is one that is pretty severe. It is one that usually knocks players out four to six weeks. I would say as it pertains to his surgery, probably looking unlikely uh, that he will do the tightrope procedure. We'll see. Still making a decision. But the fact that he hasn't had it yet means it's probably unlikely. I mean, Ian Rappaport says this usually keeps you out four to six weeks. Guess what? Ian Rappaport's getting fed that or, that information. I Someone is telling Ian Rappaport something. Why do you think that Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter get all the same stories and they get them at all the same time? They've got all the same moles and all the same people feeding them info. Ian Rappaport didn't just pull that out of left field. So he knows Max not playing. This whole thing just irritates me to all hell. Tex says, I never expect anything other than how Belichick handles today's press conference. He never gives an inch. It's just posturing for Green Bay as if they think they've got to prepare for Mac on Sunday. They know they don't have to prepare for Mac. And guess what? They know that even if they did prepare for Mac, they're getting them at 40% and they're not really playing Mac. They don't have to prepare for Mac. This is just stupid for the sake of Bill Belichick proving that he can act like this. And then, remember yesterday, we played the cut of Mac Jones basically doing the exact same thing, right? Or uh, on Monday, Mac went to the podium on Monday and said basically the same garbage that Belichick did. Yeah, I'm just kind of taking it day to day and uh, making sure everything's good. And honestly, any injury questions are Coach Belichick's thing. So I'm not here to answer them. I appreciate everyone kind of reaching out and, and looking after me. But it's kind of just a day to day thing and um, just trying to get better. So Mac says, I'm taking it day by day. Bill says, I'm taking it day by day. Mac says, all injury questions go to Bill. Bill says, I'm not a doctor. So it's a nice little convenient loop the Patriots have. But you know what? I'm not even mad at Mac Jones. I'm not even mad at him because he's just taking orders on how he handles it. Mac is a young player. is just following an organizational directive, trying to continue to follow the quote rules. I'm annoyed at Belichick. I'm not annoyed with Mac. Kay Adams, formerly of the NFL Network, basically said the same thing. I think you are only, uh, you have to be one with your team and the leadership of your team, and that's how the team goes. And it's incredible that he takes such good notes as such a young kid and knew right away, week one, week two, year two, 
how to handle himself in front of the media. Maybe not how he'd like to, but he knows what's going to keep him out of the doghouse, and I will always respect that. Yes, I agree with that. Belichick annoys me with this stuff, or annoyed me with it today. I, sometimes I get it, but uh, Belichick, I, I'm annoyed with. Mac Jones, again, just following marching orders, so not mad at him. You know who I am? You know who else I'm annoyed at today? is Keyshawn Johnson of ESPN Radio. Keyshawn Johnson is another guy who has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. I recognize that, right? Number one pick, give me the damn ball, played with the Bucks and the Cowboys and the Jets. Keyshawn was great, right? Keyshawn was awesome. He, he has forgotten more football than I will ever know. But he actually went. Keyshawn Johnson actually went on live radio today and said the Patriots are just as good, if not better, with Brian Hoyer. I wouldn't be shocked, but I wouldn't be shocked, that New England would win the game still, even with Mac Jones or Brian Hoyer, because they're not going to change. It's basically that's the same why, thing. That's why we have you Brian just Hoyer. get a little bit older guy, but it's essentially the same thing. In fact, I would argue with some that Brian Hoyer and what they do may be better at this moment at this moment than Mac Jones Maybe is. Not. Okay. That's just a laughable take. Keyshawn's smart guy, nice guy, laughable take. That is spoken like a guy who has not watched Patriots football in two years, not a guy who's played in the league for a decade and who's been in the media and who was the number one pick. Yes, Brian Hoyer is experienced. He's been around the block. He's played in different offenses. He's played in different cities. He's played in front of different fan bases. He's played for Bill Belichick. All of that makes sense. All of it helps. He has not won a game in the NFL since 2016. Keyshawn Johnson just told you that the Patriots are just fine with Brian Hoyer and they're just as good with Hoyer as Mac Jones. He has not won one single game since 2016. He has not won multiple games in the NFL since 2015. Mac Jones won 10 games last year alone. And while Mac is not the best quarterback in the league, he's certainly light years better than Brian Hoyer. All of Brian Hoyer's experience and knowing Belichick, that's great. He doesn't have the rapport with the receivers that Mac does. He doesn't have the same good offensive line that Mac had a year ago. He doesn't have any of that stuff. And by the way, the offense is going to look different. And it's not going to look better, as Keyshawn would tell you. When Brian Hoyer started the game in 2020 for the Patriots against against the Chiefs, he was 15 of 24. He had 15 completions for 130 yards. It was a total dink and duck offense where Hoyer averaged 5.4 yards per attempt. In the game, the last game he started in 20, uh, 2016 or whatever, he went 18 of 39 with three interceptions and throwing 5.23 yards per attempt. So Brian Hoyer does not move the ball down the field. Last year, we all agree, Mac Jones was pretty conservative, right? Didn't take a lot of chances. Last year, Mac Jones threw the ball over seven yards per attempt. He looks like he's throwing Hail Marys compared to what Brian Hoyer does. Okay, What Keyshawn says is just blatantly not true. Just blatantly not true. It's not going to look the same. It's not going to look better. It's going to look far different, and it's going to look far worse. If the Patriots can run all over Green Bay, then they got a chance. 
But if they have to rely on Hoyer to do anything, good luck. Good luck. I hope I'm wrong. But Keyshawn, I believe, is wrong just in every sense of it with this with this with that statement. Last year, Mac throws at seven yards, you know, seven yards per attempt. Brian Hoyer's thrown at five point two yards per attempt when he's last recently played. Come on. Like I think I'm fairly harsh on Mac when it comes to the offseason and the preseason. But even I can see he's light years better. Light years better. Uh, Jack says, that's ridiculous what Keyshawn says. And Peters says, Keyshawn is crazy. If the Patriots had Andy Dalton or Case Keenum, they'd be starting over Hoyer. Yeah, they probably would be. So, uh, all right. Well, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask Freddie Coleman about uh, about Keyshawn's comments because they're buddies. So I'm going to see if he'll defend him on there because I, I just think that's indefensible. Uh, all right, let's go out to the phone line now here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We're joined by ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights at 9 p.m. Freddie, thanks for being with us. How are you? I'm good, brother. How's the hoop game going? Uh, hoop game is good. I had 23 the other night. Uh, okay. But we beat another team that was 2-0, and and, uh, you know, so that, that was a good team and a, and a, and a good, uh, you know, good overall performance, I thought. Okay, that, that's good. That means you're on the winning streak, which is under Patriots need, so let's go there. Yeah, Patriots I don't think are going to get it because it looks like Brian Hoyer is going to play for a while or is going to be playing here for a while. So I got to tell you, I'm pretty annoyed at Bill Belichick today. Like the whole world knows that Mac is hurt. The whole world knows that Mac is not going to play. Rappaport's got it. Schefter's got it. Everybody's got it. Why is he out there being coy saying, oh, we'll take it day by day and we'll see what he can do? Like, come on, man, the jig is up. Have you not paid attention to Bill Belichick for the past 20 years, how he operates when it comes to anything? He's going to maintain that control, Brady, no matter what is out there, no matter what the truth is. And it's something that's always worked for him. I don't know how that got started, where that got started, but that's been part of his DNA as a football coach. And I wonder after what happened with the Cleveland Browns and how he was definitely more accessible and more transparent. And it didn't end well where if he said to himself, if I get another opportunity, I'm really going to control everything. That includes the media. That includes the organization. That includes even the ownership at times when it comes to Robert Kraft. So we should not be surprised that Bill Belichick is not letting any information out there, no matter what's been said and what we know about the inavailability when it comes to Mac Jones. Well, let's just say that. Let's just say Mac Jones is 40 percent. I don't even know if he I don't know if he's good enough to be 40 percent. If you're Mac Jones, do you even want to play? at that limited capacity? Oh, God, no, because Bill Parcells, another former Patriots coach, said it best. You can play her in the NFL, but you can't play injured. And there's absolutely no doubt that Mac Jones is an injured quarterback. And Bill Belichick can try to gild the lily all he wants to, Brady, but high ankle sprains, those are a four- to six-week injury, and sometimes they can be a six- to eight-week injury. So whatever Bill Belichick is trying to portray out there, it's part and parcel, the hoodie being the hoodie. But if I'm Mac Jones, you can't go out there as a compromised quarterback in modern football. You can even do that in ancient football, and guys are doing that. With the speed of the game and the element of the game that's going to be there, and you got a compromised quarterback, unless you plan on having Mac Jones in, in like a diabolical chamber where nobody can get around his force field, there's no way he should be out there until he's fully 100% healthy. Let's just assume that it's four weeks, right? It might be more, as you said, but let's just assume it's four weeks. Can the Patriots tread water with Brian Hoyer for four weeks, or is Mac going to come back to a 1-6 team? 
maybe a one and six team. I think at best maybe a two and five team because when you have an offense that was that was starting to finally turn the corner because they're able to score some points. Although I wonder, Brady, how much of that's the Ravens defense not being what we thought it was going to be more than the Patriots offense. I believe both of those things can be true. But now you got a Brian Hoy where you can run some of the same things that you can run with Mac Jones, but he's not Mac Jones. Brian Hoy has been a career backup that. You may be able to get away with that for a game or two, but people have enough film on Brian Hoyer, and any time that happens, that has never ended well for him or his football team. So in the NFL, where each and every week is a dogfight, you can blot a team one week and be in a street fight the next week, but the Patriots' offense is now even more compromised without their starting quarterback, and their defense has played a lot of snaps and given up a lot of big plays. And this could be a very, very daunting season potentially for the Patriots, depending on what Brian Hoyt is able to do, having to play above his position. You know, you've done a lot of filling in over the last couple of months on the uh, Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max show, right, on ESPN. You've, you've been hanging out with those guys a lot. What is up with Keyshawn today? Because today Keyshawn said that the Patriots are just as good, if not better, with Brian Hoyer than Mac Jones. That that Tell me that you can't defend your, uh, your compadre there. Well, I'm not defending anything. He's a grown man. He can say what he wants, but I know the truth as far as I'm concerned. You can't tell me that. They can be the same football team. The only way they're going to be the same football team or better, a little bit of Brian Hoyer, if it's the running game can get started. And anybody's going to play the page is going to say, we're not going to let the running game help out the quarterback. Hey, Brian Hoyer, you may make a play or two, but at a certain point you're going to give it back. you got to take the same philosophy with Brian Hoyer that the New Orleans Saints had when the Carolina Panthers played, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played against the Saints, where their linebacker, Devin White, said, oh, we knew James was going to give it back. At a certain point, just wait him out. He's going to do that because they had enough film on him and they play with that guy. It's the same principle with Brian Hoyer. You take away the running game, you force him to try to beat you through the air, he won't be able to get the ball downfield to Kendrick Bourne and everybody else, and then you wait until he makes that mistake because just like death and taxes, those things are going to happen with Brian Hoyer throwing the ball a little bit more than he's supposed to for this Patriots offense. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights, 9 p.m. Packers right now, they haven't looked great. That's who the Patriots are playing on Sunday, but the Packers are 2-1. and one. Uh, What do you see from them as we start to uh, think about that, that side of the coin for Sunday? They're going to keep getting better because they got a bunch of filthy McNasties on defense that can get after the quarterback, and the secondary has been better than advertised, being able to plaster the wide receivers. But the one thing that has really been able to shine for the Green Bay Packers, Brady, is the fact that that running game, you got a two-fisted monster with Jones and Dillon. you got a Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside combination. And we saw that the Green Bay Packers had to worry about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take away their running game. They were still able to make plays. And it's really hard to make plays in any kind of game against that Buccaneers defense. But they're able to run the ball just enough to make sure it's not second and third and long to Aaron Rodgers. And when he had to make some throws, he was able to do that. Those are the kind of slug bets that Green Bay thought they were going to have to win and they were able to. But now you're going against the Patriots team that is a wounded football team that you can make plays on that offense. And now all of a sudden those wide receivers that were question marks after week one versus Minnesota, there may be a lot better answers having to get the ball down the field and take a lot of pressure off that running game and vice versa. Freddie, organizationally, Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics. Who's in the worst shape right now? Right now, the Patriots, because the Celtics still have a lot of talent. And I know they got to deal with the cloud of Ime Odoka over this basketball team. But once we get into regular season play, if they're able to have a good start to the regular season, that's going to fade into the background until his suspension is over when it comes to next year. And I know the Red Sox are a terrible year, but their farm system is a lot better now than it was before. Two years ago, they had the worst farm system in terms of ratings, according to Baseball America. Now they have their 11th best farm system. So they're building and they tore everything down. They're going to get rid of those contracts. So in the future, 
you better get the Red Sox in 2022 because for the next four to five years, they may be the kings of the AL East. I look at this Patriots team, and it seems, it seems to me, Brady, they're trying to win the way they're used to winning. But in modern football, you've got to have dudes. You can't just have a dude quarterback and have piecemeal pieces around him. You've got to have guys that can top off the defense. You've got to have a tight end that can threaten the middle of the field. You've got to have a running back that can break a big game at any given time. You've got to have a talented offensive line. They don't have a check mark next to any of those. they got decent parts, but you've got to have dude parts because any team that's contending for a championship, they have a guy. Josh Allen with Buffalo, Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Wilder with the Miami Dolphins. Each and every team that believes they can win in the National Football League, especially in the loaded AFC, they have a dude or dudes that can tilt the field. And right now, the Pays don't have any of those guys on both sides of the football. You know, Freddie, let's go to the Celtics, who are at uh, training camp now. First practice was yesterday. Um, the players all stepped up to the podium at Media Day and said that they were really in the dark about what happened with the Ime Udoka situation. And, I, and I'm not criticizing. I'm genuinely about to ask a question here. I, I think I get legally why the Celtics organization couldn't tell the players everything. But my question is, if you are running a thorough investigation, like the Celtics say they did, should the players have been questioned? Like, maybe they're not told everything, but wouldn't they pick up some breadcrumbs that they were questioned? Should they have been questioned about their coach and his conduct, or does it not involve them at all? It doesn't involve them at all because Emeo Doka decided to take part in this, and he didn't involve any of the players. And whatever he was doing in the darkness, I guarantee you there are plenty of people in that organization, whether they were players or assistant coaches or even management, did not know because, this blind side of everybody. We didn't hear any inkling, and ever since it came to light, Brady, we haven't heard any anonymous sources saying what we knew was going on or we had an inkling was going on. We haven't heard any of that because if somebody knew something, they would have said something either long before or right after everything had come out. And we haven't heard anything about that regarding anybody in that Celtics organization. And I think you get into personal business with somebody, unless a player's family member or that player's directly involved, you can't question players about something that has nothing to do with them. And even if they were hiding what Emei Doka was doing, he still did it. He still involved himself in something. I don't think you can involve somebody else unless it becomes a court of criminal case. Then we're talking about something different. We're not talking about that. Now, Emei Doka, we're talking about somebody that, according to the Celtics, had repeated violations when it comes to the team's policy and the team's overall basketball character on and off the basketball court. To involve anybody else in what is a character flaw and a character commission by Emil Doka, I don't think that would have been the right line of question. And you can't question the players as far as I'm concerned with that. How, what do you think of Joe Missoula's task in front of him? And, and how much team leadership are the Celtics going to need? Because, you know, this could be a tough situation for a first-year head coach, 34 years old, who was coaching D2 hoops four years ago. If he's anything like the play I saw at West Virginia, and the Boston Celtics are going to be fine because go back and look at how he played at West Virginia. He wasn't the best player. He wasn't a, he wasn't a physically gifted player, but it was a hard 40 minutes because he prepared, he understood his opponent, he understood his limitations, and he understood his strengths. He was a big factor with the culture of West Virginia when Bob Huggins first got there. So I think that's the least of my concern because he's involved in the system. He knows how to coach players, and I believe he knows how to get the most out of players. People look at the 34 years of age and say, okay, first NBA time. But the same thing was said about Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors. And he did quite well winning an NBA championship when they got Kawhi Leonard. This Celtics team, in my opinion, is more talented than that Toronto Raptors team. Joe Mazzullo is going to be a lot better than people are going to give him credit for. And I get it, Brady. It's the unknown. You don't know what somebody's going to do until they actually put in a position where they have to rise or, or they're going to fall. 
But if he's anything like he was as a player in college at West Virginia, then this Celtics team may be able to manage this a lot better without Emil Doka on the sidelines. And who knows Emil Doka is ever going to coach again for the Boston Celtics. Freddie Coleman, we appreciate you as always, Freddie. Look forward to listening tonight at 9. Keep letting it fly and knocking them down, my friend. I'll talk to you in seven days, Brady. I will talk to you in seven days. Yeah, Freddie loves to hear about my men's league hoops. So, uh, yeah, Mike Tromboli and I are on the same team. Mike Tromboli, he had former UVM fame, 2,000 points, 2,000 assists. No big deal that he's on my team. But, uh, yeah, we won. We're 3-0. and I had 23 the other day. He had to add, like, 40. I mean, he just was as what you would expect. But we won. Freddie loves to hear about it. I got Freddie all juiced up now on hearing about men's league hoops. Otherwise, I mean, Freddie's just one of the best, right? Texter says, wow, Freddie really knows everything. Freddie really does know everything. I could ask Freddie any question, and he will have an idea about it. It's not like I screen the questions with Freddie beforehand. Like, he's not prepared for what I'm going to ask. He knows everything. Um, brings up a good point about the Celtics, right? Question I asked yesterday, should the players have been questioned about this? Well, Freddie says if they had nothing to do with it, then no. And yeah, you know what? Maybe he's right. And I also do find it amazing that we haven't heard anybody say we knew what was going on. Because I, I even said right when the story came out, I'm like, oh, come on. Who could have an affair and nobody knows about it? Like when you're in this line of work, they seem to have done a pretty good job of keeping it secret. Because, again, we have heard nothing before or nothing after the report. As for the Patriots, I, I don't like hearing that Freddie thinks they could be one in six. But that is realistic. If Mac misses four games, they could very well be one and six by the time he by the time he comes back, maybe two and five. I called for best case scenario to split those four games. Again, hopefully the best case scenario is he's only out three games. I said one doctor I saw has said three games. Doctor David Chow said today a little while ago he thinks Mac might be back after three games. That would be the ultra best case scenario, but I am mentally prepared for at least four. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio I'm prepared for at least four. Dr. Mario Pilato, he's prepared for more. Think you know sports better than Brady does? Text in with your thoughts at 802-585-3026. Now it's back with Brady Parker Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball coming up five minutes from now. Sox and Orioles game three of their four-game series. Hey, reminder, tomorrow is a day game. It's a uh, 135 start, 1235 with our pregame show. But uh, So we will have a full show tomorrow, and I'm very excited about it. We're going to be joined by uh, Mike Wall, who is a former All-Pro and Pro Bowl offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers. Well, actually, he did that with the Carolina Panthers, but he played with the Green Bay Packers for a bunch of years. So he's going to help us get us ready for uh, Patriots and Packers. Talk a little bit about Brian Hoyer playing with the backup quarterback, et cetera. So Mike Wall going to be with us at about uh, 545 tomorrow. So already looking forward to that and looking forward to a full show as we get you ready for week four. I've told you the, the opinions now on Mac Jones, they're all over the place, right? Four to six is standard for a high ankle sprain. That's where that's most people are saying that. Dr. David Chow, former team doctor for the Chargers, said maybe three. And then earlier today, I spoke with uh, Mario Pilato, who is a injury expert at Pro Football Focus. He is far more worried than that. So the typical return to play is four to six weeks with a high break, and that would be a grade one. Uh, grade two would be about six to 12. And when they're talking about surgery, there's kind of a standard for surgery. What the injury is, the ligament between the tip and the tibia. 
And when the space becomes more than two millimeters, that's when you need surgery. So the fact that they were talking about that early, people, treatment. So the audio a little a little uh, rickety, I get it. But he's saying that grade one's four to six, grade two is six to twelve. And if they were talking about surgery that early, that leads me to believe that it's more that that leads me to believe it's on the more serious end. So I mean, Dr. Mario Pilato, he told me he's like, look, man, I, if he does come back, I worry about him being compromised all year. If he doesn't get surgery, I worry about him being compromised. If he does get surgery, I think he'll get this thing done right. But Again, the opinions are all over the place, and Bill Belichick certainly not giving us anything to work with at today's press conference. So, uh, Mac Jones, he did not practice today. They put it his ankle, finally, on the injury report. I, I don't think he's going to have to be ruled out until Friday, so we're not going to get an official announcement, I'm sure, tomorrow. But we all know that Brian Hoyer is going to play quarterback for the Patriots. Texter said, love the Freddie Coleman segment. Also loved what he had to say about the Red Sox moving forward. Yeah, Freddie said, and Freddie was right, man. He knew, like, Red Sox 11th ranked farm system. I don't know if they're going to be the class of the AL East for the next five years, but I also think that, and, like, we'll do a lot of post-mortem on the Red Sox season, like, probably starting next week, right, like, after the season ends officially. I don't think the Red Sox are going to be, Super difficult to fix. They just need to be willing to spend the money. If they're willing to spend the money, they can get out of what they're in pretty darn quickly here. And I think they can be back in a good spot this time next year. I don't know if they're going to control the division for five years. Though. That I love Freddie. That one was a little bit out there, though. The Orioles are 80 and 74. They're three and a half back in the final wild card spot. The Red Sox are 73 and 81. They're trying to play spoiler. I want them to play spoiler. My Mariners are the team that are floundering right now, trying to hold Baltimore off. So any help from the Red Sox would be highly desired. Dean Kramer pitches for Baltimore. Rich Hill goes for Boston. Kramer's eight and five with a 307 and a pretty good year. Ryan McKenna leads off in center. Ryan Mountcastle's at first. Anthony Santander, who may never get out again, is in left. Jesus Aguilar is the DH. Austin Hayes is in right. Tyler Nevins at third. Jorge Mateos at short. Taryn Vavra is at second. And Robinson Chirinos is the catcher. For the Sox, Tommy Pham is in left. Rafi Devers is at third. Xander Bogart's at short. Alex Verdugo in right. J.D. Martinez, the DH. Tristan Casas homered last night. He's at first. Kike Hernandez is at second. And Reese McGuire is the catcher. And batting ninth is Abraham Almonte. Again, Rich Hill against Dean Kramer. Three and a half games back. That's all the Orioles are from my Mariners. So please, 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 Red Sox, go and get the win. Podcast channel's got a bunch of extra interviews, right? Freddie Coleman, who you heard, Tom Karen from earlier today, Mario Pilato, and up from yesterday, Tom Brennan, former Catamount Hoops coach. We're back at it tomorrow. Buster Olney and Mike Wall, former All-Pro offensive lineman.